Welcome to Executive Tools, Skip Blindness, Part 1. This cast answers these questions. How does skip blindness happen? What can I do to increase my insight in my skips situations? What responsibility do my directs have and keep me informed about their directs? Do you want answers to these questions and more? Keep listening. Here we go. You have got to help me here. Skip blindness. What are you <laughs> talking about? Executives, directors, and above. That director is probably a little young, um, pardon the age reference, uh, for guaranteeing people executive status. But if you manage other managers, the first time you do that, the first time you become a director, you don't understand the extent to which you're blind to your skips uh, because there's another level between them. Look, we have to give up a great deal of our relationships with them. If if we used to be a manager of a team and now we're the manager of the manager of that team, and some of those relationships were personal relationships, but that extra layer of management, if you do your job right, by definition, you become blind to some of the things your skips are doing. And heaven forbid, if you're more senior than a director, if you're a senior director, a junior VP, whatever, there are a billion different titles in the middle part of organizations, you can lose control of your organization because you don't understand what's going on two, three, four levels below you. I mean, not, not really lose control. There are all kinds of strictures that exist in organizations that that limit the amount of uncontrol you can have, but you can be wildly unaware of what's happening. And because you're going to be pulled toward the top of the organization as well, and you're going to be pulled toward the future by your responsibilities, it's easy to lose track. Yeah. I think a common situation with directors and skips, for example, is I used to manage these people directly, right? Now somebody gets promoted, you get promoted, somebody else gets promoted. Now there's a manager between you and them. Right. In my experience, the problem is more often, I'm curious what you'd say here, the problem more often is the new director not, not, uh, let's say, they work, they work around the manager and oh, still absolutely. have the relationships with, with the directs, right? So that absolutely. is yeah. probably the more common thing. Yeah, we, we get this all the time. The skip, I want to do skip one-on-ones. And yeah. it's like saying, well, I really like this new wrench I bought, so I'm going to use it as a hammer. Um, you know, one-on-ones are great, so I'll just continue with them. And then people complain. Uh, they, they say to us, yeah, I can't, I can't do it. I have 25 directs, and I, I, I know the organization they're in, and they say, 25 directs? This is shocking. I mean, you guys typically have a, a big span of control might be 10. He says, well, yeah, I've got, I've got people between me and them, but they're all sort of my directs. It's, it's right. my org. And then they start changing the definition of, of words. Uh, and I say, well, okay, you have somebody between you and them? says, yeah. What are they? Well, they're managers. Those people report to those managers? Yeah. Okay, then you don't do one-on-ones with those skips. And basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. They'll give me nasty emails. But <laughs> the entirety of the last 20 years or so has been when we get to this point in this conversation, the answer that everyone gives me after a fashion is, but I want to. <laughs> yeah. um, and and we say, well, that's fine. If you want to do that, then do it with the next level down too. And you begin to realize that, you know, CEOs ought to be doing one-on-ones with everybody. 
And then, then they say, well, that's too many. I said, well, who decides who's too many, you know, what's too many. So yeah, that's a classic uh, mistake and it has an incredibly dangerous uh, problem associated with it, which is I report to you, you report to Paul and um, Paul starts doing one-on-ones with me in order to maintain the relationship. He used to be your peer and now he's your boss. And so I am now doing two one-on-ones, one with you and one with Paul. And I very quickly learned that the one-on-one relationship I want to build is with Paul. And you're the one that gets no. cut out, but you're no. the one who's responsible. you do that to me? I would. And so would every other reasonably intelligent person on the planet. Because if they didn't, if they started focusing on your one-on-one and not if I started focusing on my time with you and less so on Paul, I would put myself in situations where when there were disagreements between the two of you, and these are quite frequent, people don't realize it, or a lack of communication or a lack of timely communication means there's a divergence between my two bosses and it ends up messy. And it's just, it, and, and people are like, well, let's fix this. We need to figure out a better way to communicate the three of us or the 10 of us, whatever. So, no, you're, mm-hmm. you, you started, it. you did the wrong thing in the beginning. You can't do one-on-ones with skips. You just, you can't do it. So I, the only reason I bring that up is folks, if you're in that situation where you have a manager reporting to you who has directs that used to report to you, don't take this podcast and the issues of skip blindness as the the truck you're going to drive through this thing such that you can now start doing one-on-ones with your with your skips skips. yeah exactly so yeah look folks the organizational theory on this is real easy okay everyone admits that the ceo doesn't have a great personal relationship with all of the individual contributors in your organization everyone understands that There are too many layers between, but it's not as if when you're a manager and you're direct, and that would be the, we're talking about vertical relationships here as opposed to horizontal ones. Manager and direct is by definition, in most of the cases, slightly less rich, intense, uh, uh, communication dense as a peer-to-peer relationship because of the role power. But the organization they, they don't do a good job of saying this, but theory-wise, they insist that managers work on their relationships with their directs because organizations know, actually organizational theory teaches us that organizations want you to build trust with your people because trust is an incredible lubricant in organizations. Okay, so there's a little bit of a breakdown. We have an entire podcast on this, manager tools, between me and Mike, Mike's my boss in this analogy, because he's my boss and he has role power. He has control over, he has my, over my addiction to food, clothing, and shelter. I can't go to him with confidentiality, asking for confidentiality. There's a rule about that. You know, if uh, it's a terrible thing, but he might have to fire me and it would be the right thing for him to do. And if he knows he's supposed to do it and he doesn't do it, he's not doing his job and his boss probably ought to fire him for that. Just take it from manager and direct all the way up to CEO. It is not magical that when you get to CEO, oh, she can't have relationships with everybody. But between every other layer, there's this magical ability to have relationships with hundreds or even thousands of people. No, every layer you go up in the organization breaks previous relationships. It changes them by nature. 
Some people don't like this. You know, I generally don't like gravity. I don't like what the number I see on the scale after I have a steak, but I really like steak. I would like very much for there to be a breaking of the relationship between eating a really big steak, like a, a Del Frisco's tomahawk steak that probably weighs two pounds. And I don't want to gain any weight, but I'm, you know, I'm shouting at the rain. It's not going to happen. And the same thing here, you can not like this, but it's gravity folks. This is how organizations work. I didn't know it when I was in the army. I didn't, I started getting a sense of it at Procter and Gamble and I just shook my head that other people didn't see it. But regardless, these are things that are true. And read 50,000 organizational theory books as I have, and you'll discover that all of them talk about really weird stuff, but not about the stuff that really matters. Smart people read these, write these books, but man, it's incredible. Anyway, every level I go up, it breaks that relationship a little bit. And the organization's theory, the way organizations who are effective work well, is they've learned that in order for Paul, Mike's boss, to have a relationship with Mark, as weird as this sound sounds, Paul does one-on-ones with Mike, and Mike does one-on-ones with Mark or some other technique. And Paul's relationship with Mark has two links in the chain rather than just one. Okay? Paul strengthens his communication and his trust with Mike, and Mike does the same thing with Mark, and therefore Paul can have a referential relationship with Mark. But yeah, you don't go and have one-on-ones with your skips. And then even better, complain about your span of control. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So look, um, there are two things we want to talk about in this cast. First is, what is skip blindness? What is it? Uh, I think we've defined a little bit, but we'll go into a little more detail. And then what tools can help them eliminate it? And basically, we have a long list, many of which we've talked about before, some of which we haven't. Okay. So what what is it? Yeah. So... Uh, I want to start with this story because this is what caused this podcast to be written because I kind of think, you know, when I think of the universe of podcasts inside my head, I think, well, we've already covered this, but really we haven't because it affected people we knew and there was nothing they could do about it. And it raised some red flags with me. So I thought, okay, there are all these tools out here, but managers are overwhelmed relative to tools. So Maybe I could simplify and tighten things up and bring some several different pieces of guidance to bear on a particular problem and call it skip blindness as a way to have people pay attention and go, yeah, I don't want to be blind to what my skips are doing. They're part of my work. So a story was told by some high-performing skips to their skip-level boss after the manager between them left the organization, and they now reported to the director, right? Because some of the people that were individual contributors before, in this particular case, it was individual contributors, uh, they had done well enough to get promoted. And the manager had a great relationship with the director, the manager who's left, but did not have a good relationship with his directs. He made general guidance into unbreakable policies Areas normally considered personal choices were turned into narrowly defined rules. Hardly any positive feedback and very begrudging, very distant, not communicative other than telling people what to do. 
wasn't comfortable accepting recommendations, you know, hey, you're there, I'm here, I know what I'm doing kind of thing. And in a couple of instances, when questions were asked, he suggested his authority was being questioned and got his director involved in solving the problem. Uh, Like, no, you need to go down there and talk to those people. And here's what was scary, right? And this ought to put a chill on all the directors, all the executives listening. Those two professionals who ended up now reporting to the director, they got promoted to manager again. They never approached their skip level boss with concerns. Despite the fact that they talked to her regularly and worked with her on all kinds of stuff extensively every week, they were talking to her. And I assume this case had and had a relatively good relationship. There's nothing yeah, yeah. to no, suggest no. It's a that. fantastic relationship. Right? right. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And the director had every reason to believe that they would probably come talk to him. Yes, if there exactly. Was a problem. Yeah. yeah. I think her. Um, but here's the thing. You're wondering why this happens. It's the same reason that always happens, folks. When you look in the mirror, you see a good person. But that's not how you're seen downstream in the organization. I'm sure they think you're a good person. But believe me, when they introduce you to other people, they don't introduce you as a good person. They introduce you as my boss's boss, right? And here's what it is. The individual contributors in in this situation believe their director knew what was going on and therefore endorsed it at some level. Because they looked up to her. She was a right. good exact. She was smart. She was she cared about him and so on. And look, what else do we know? Directors are always responsible for everything their subordinate managers do and don't do, as well as you're also responsible for the individual contributors, no matter how far down the line in your organization they are. And look, put yourself in your skip shoes. Think about yourself now with your boss's boss. Don't you assume your boss's boss knows what his or her managers are doing? Isn't it usually assumed so? Of course it is. Unless the director is known to be completely, or the boss's boss, depending upon how you are in the organization, is completely disconnected or poorly performing or whatever. And so basically all we're saying is this story that came to my attention made me realize there's a whole suite of tools out there and some stuff we haven't talked about. And um, it could happen to you. If you're a brand new director, it's already happening to you. You think you know what's going on, but the day you get promoted and you're no longer supervising directly some people, the world moves on for them and you can't keep track of everything. Your knowledge about what they're doing is decaying. If you just hired a manager, even if you know the skips now reporting to them, it's probably happening to you. If you have several layers in your organization, it is definitely happening somewhere in your organization to some degree, and it's potentially happening to people beneath you, managers or senior directors, if you're a VP. Yeah, it really startled me. It was it was just a really good story about, yeah, we, we assumed she knew, and so therefore, what was happening was okay. Now, can this director, could she have asked the manager to get her more involved with all of his communications with his directs? No, there's no way you can do that. You can't provide that level of supervision. So you have to have other systemic tools to do it. Yeah. It's a sad story. I'm, I'm yeah. sure she, yeah. when it she is. discovered that she was not at all happy. Yeah. Yeah. So what tools do we have that can eliminate skip blindness? So many of these folks you've already heard, 
But I will tell you, I'm starting with the first one because I still find it shocking the number of execs who don't get this. The first thing you can do is roll down one-on-ones, roll down the Trinity. And, you know, look, guys, we don't say that because it's our tool. We just know it works. No, whatever management principles you believe in and manage your directs with, it's reasonable that you'd ask your directs to use those same tools. No, 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 no. You're assuming facts, not in evidence, counselor. There is no evidence to me outside a small minority of managers in the world who think it's reasonable that their management style would be good for their directs to use. They do not. I know at least one who thinks that. (laughs) A a small minority minority. of 7 billion people in the world. Um, So look, we recommend you do one-on-ones with your directs and only your directs. I know some of you directors, you want to have one-on-ones with your skips, but as we've probably proven to you for the 15,000th time, it doesn't work at scale and it undermines your managers. Okay. But now you're a director. Now you have to understand it's your job to mandate one-on-ones for your managers. And this is where, Mike, this is where everybody's head just goes, it just poof. I can't, I can't possibly. It do seems it. so obvious to us, to yeah. us, right? We've been doing this so long and unfortunately it's not obvious to everybody else. Common wisdom that management is a personal preference or someone that this is something that one has a management style about is hogwash. Where else in our organizations do we talk about style? Unless we're doing advertising or we work for, you know, Miranda Priestley at Runway. It's just shocking. No, that's not my style. I, I, I don't, it's not my style to be on time for meetings. Uh, it's also not my style to do reports. I just, that's just not my, just it's not, my, not thing. my, my thing. I'm, I'm into other things. It's not my style. Seriously, take your style and go to work for one of our competitors. This is how we do things here. Your role power, I know people are amazed to hear this, but more organizational theory, your role power granted to you by the organization gives you the same authority. Folks, I'm I'm actually going to read from the show notes here so that everybody understands. I'm not making this up. Your role power gives you the same authority over your team that the CEO has over the entire organization. Uh, Okay, you can't countermand the organization, but you can implement whatever systems that you believe in, in your part of the organization, all of it. That's what role power is, the ability to speak for the organization to your own organization, to speak as the CEO to your team. That's what it is. You can argue all you want, but, you know, it's like, again, it's like shouting at the rain. So when you're a director or above, mandating manager tools one-on-ones for the managers to report to you is just like the CEO mandating a new strategic initiative or the CFO saying, this is how accounting and finance systems are going to work. And here are the processes we're going to use to process paychecks and accounts payable and all that kind of stuff. It's the same thing with security, mandating badges. If you wouldn't tolerate one of your directs, not going along with strategy or accounting systems 
or badges or performance reviews, why would you tolerate a direct of yours refusing to do one-on-ones because of their preference, because of their style? It's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I get, I get exercised about this and it's just like, well, look, I'm not doing a good enough job communicating with enough people persuasively enough to help people understand. There you go. It's your fault. The, it, well, I'm, I'm prepared to admit my complicity in the <laughs> massive failure that exists. Maybe I should retire and teach at a small college and teach organizational theory and management. But anyway, okay. And, and there's a cast for that, folks. If you haven't already rolled down the Trinity, if you haven't already confronted your managers and their managers below them and said, no, we do one-on-ones here. And I don't mean suggestions or ideas or hints, but I mean, this is the standard. This is how we do things in my part of the organization. If you don't want to do one-on-ones, you have two choices. You can find another job and i want you to stay in the organization but this is how it's going to be here now obviously that works a lot better if i have a good trusting relationship with people and i wouldn't make them do it the first day i became director if they if i'm getting a new team that i've never worked with before so they're not familiar with one-on-ones i'll do one-on-ones for a while before i start doing uh start asking them to do them but it's inevitable how would you ensure that they do them I oh, just, I just say thank you. Yeah, I like measuring. Yeah. Um, once your managers start doing one-on-ones, you have to check they're being done. It's. I, I said this to somebody the other day up in Silicon Valley, and they said, I've never heard that. That's interesting. Where did that come from? And I said, I think it came from the Greeks like 3,000 years ago. And the phrase is, inspect what you expect. Look, that's that's one way that organizations inspect things. They require reporting and measuring. And those are important guardrails, guide wires, uh, roadmaps for organizations. So during your one-on-ones with your managers after you've started doing them and they started doing theirs, say, say the first week they've started, start your portion of the one-on-one by asking them, how many of your one-on-ones did you do last week? Okay, that's all you do. Have your pen poised over the paper. Or if you're one of those technological, one of those people who's in an unseemly way addicted to your technology, feel free to get ready to strike a key on your keyboard. Write down their answer. Have the pen hovering over the thing and just write down their answer and move on to the rest of your agenda. Don't worry about their answer. The reason you're asking this question is to send them an answer, send them a message that I am going to find out how you're doing on -on one-on-ones. And one of the rules about measuring, I'm sure everybody's heard it before, measure quantity before quality. Are you saying that if you just simply ask the question, say they had four directs and the answer you got was one, just writing that down, like next week you'd expect there to be more than one? Is that what you're saying? Not only would I expect it, now I might raise my eyebrows. And now that I'm older, I might look over my reading glasses at someone, which, by the way, if you're older like me and you have reading glasses, looking at people over your reading glasses, particularly trying to look at them through your eyebrows by putting your chin down, can be seen as assertive by other people. 
particularly if you're in a position of power. Are you uncomfortable? Mike? I'm a little uncomfortable right now. Yeah, as you yeah. Demonstrate to me the, the technique. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk later. We'll talk. I'll talk you down from your, your ledge in a minute, but no, we have data. What do you know? We have data. So we ran a large group. It's about 450. I think maybe 475 managers. Directors were already doing one-on-ones. Okay. By the way, there was another control group that didn't do one-on-ones, but in this particular case, we were looking for ways to get managers to start doing their one-on-ones after an effort to implement one-on-ones kind of sputtered. And to his credit, a more senior person said, no, we're going to start at the top. But somehow when it got to the man- individual, the managers managing individual contributors broke down. So I said, no, we'll be happy to teach them. And so what we taught them was a number of different ways that you could encourage your directs. The two things we found worked the best was this process of measuring by requiring reporting. Reporting is a form of measurement. It can be very passive in nature. You don't, I mean, you you don't have to shock people if they don't get to 75% or 85%. You don't need to do that. Um, Too many people, in my opinion, associate reporting and measuring with punishment or oversight. And I, I don't particularly care for the word oversight, but why would you think you had free reign to do whatever you want? Of course, people above want to know what's going on. They're responsible for what's going on. Even if they're not doing it, they're still responsible. And so out of this 475, we had a control group that didn't get anything, that didn't get asked any question. And then we had some managers that asked, how many of your one-on-ones did you do? And to be fair, my people had to go interview all those managers every week to see whether or not they wrote it down. We actually, after like week three or four, my people said, would you mind telling them, send out a mail saying they have to circle it so it's easy for us? Because the managers had to take a picture of their Mm one-on-one notes. And in some cases, what they had to do was put their notebook. We gave them specific notebooks that we wanted them to use. And they had to make a copy of it and put it in our inbox. We had a person who had an inbox in the building and it wasn't me, the project manager. So forget about what you think the percentage of one-on-ones were uh, in the first week. We were talking about you know, a couple of hundred managers, and l- let's assume a span of control about five. It may have been slightly bigger than that, but let's just assume makes the number easy. It's a thousand one-on-ones. Okay. My recollection is around 300 one-on-ones occurred the first week. Out of a thousand. First couple of weeks out yeah. of a thousand, which by the way, is not an unpromising start. Okay. It, same in both groups. I think one group was notably higher or lower, but not significantly. And then the, the control group, we didn't have them ask. We just said, gradually, they'll figure out you're doing one-on-ones with them. You're asking them to do one-on-ones. Don't ask them how the one-on-ones are doing anything. Just do your one-on-ones. In the test group, we said, no, you're going to ask them every week for the first eight weeks, how many one-on-ones did you do last week? And again, the number was about 300 in both groups, test and control. And the next week (laughs) in the group, now, again, they're supposed to have about a thousand. The number was 800. (laughs) From 300 to 800. Yeah. Yeah. On the other group, it was 375. So there was some improvement, organic improvement, right? 
Uh, and we suspect that since we can't monitor everyone, we can't listen to a half hour of all those one-on-ones. And there were some privacy issues as well. And some companies, you know, we assumed that actually some people raised their eyebrows and says, I don't want to ask you about your one-on-ones, but you should know there's a test going on. I'm sure that happened. I also think people will naturally move in the direction of the organization, people who care about the organization and so on. My point was, I mean, it more than doubled. And it dropped the next week, but then it went up again the following week. And we were at 85% within three or four weeks. It's pretty darn good. And I was like, well, this is easy. So we did it again. And the exact different division of another company and exact same thing happened. Just ask and you'll discover that people will change their behavior. And by the way, it's a pretty light touch if you ask me. If you're my boss and you say, I'm doing one-on-ones with you, and you say, Mark, I want you to do one-on-ones with your people, I don't know that many managers would say, yeah, my boss, he's crazy. The old man, he's crazy. Uh, That's a line from a few good men, by the way. Yeah, you know, we're just not going to do this. And managers generally don't do that, but some do, and it's because their bosses haven't done a good job of making clear organizational theory. And the fact is, when you start measuring, people change their behavior. Inspect what you expect. That seems about as low a touch as you could possibly have. I can't imagine anything lower than that. Well, oh, oh, yes, sure there is. Just doing nothing. Oh, okay. And hope. Hope. Unfortunately, hope is not a method, but but it's used a lot. I told, by the way, Mark, I told them. I told them to do one-on-ones. Why aren't they doing it? Yeah. Well, you'd have to ask your mom for examples of how many times your mom told you to do stuff you didn't do, right? And look, think of it this way. You've started a new project, this one-on-ones or whatever, feedback or anything else for that matter, any other management process. What other process or project do you start and not measure it? Only the ones that fail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look away. <laughs> so soon you're going to be giving feedback in your own Trinity rollout as you're rolling it out to your new directs, right? Who are managers, positive feedback and the negative feedback. Hopefully you give it short and sweet and you keep it positively toned and then move on to the rest of your agenda, right? After about six to eight weeks, change that first question you ask at the start of your portion of the one-on-ones to how are your one-on-ones going? And ask that for about four weeks. You probably already established that they're getting all their reps in. So now ask them how they're doing. By the way, they're going to say fine. Then about four to six weeks after that, change the question again. And by the way, it's not rocket science. You don't need to be clever about this. Just use these questions in this order. And then go through when say, would you please go through each of your directs by name and tell me what you're learning and seeing in their one-on-one with you? By the way, that's a great one to find out how many managers basically describe all their one-on-ones by lumping the team together in a big aggregate and saying, yeah, it's fine, without telling you two people are crossing their arms and refusing to talk, right? And then when you ask for individuals, now, mind you, this is your portion of the one-on-one, so they're still getting their chance to talk about whatever they want to talk about, but now you're saying we're, what? 16, 20 weeks into this thing, and I'm going to start asking you for more details because I can't allow you 
to just give me an overview, an aggregated, an averaged, a mean, a median, a mode of a group because relationships are always with individuals and not yeah. with groups. I love the one, the often. Uh, by the way, remind what was Mary's wife's name? Like, yeah. And like, uh, yeah, I, yeah, uh, I have to go to a oh, function and yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah. Uh, you, oh, you don't know? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah for those of you who, for those of you who don't know, Mike is referring to a previous Mandertools guidance podcast called the Direct Relationship Acid Test. And what I just described just sounds pretty simplistic, but as Tom Cruise said in another movie, The Firm, it's not sexy, but it's got teeth. And we have an entire podcast about this, Measuring the Trinity, Chapter One. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll continue with part two in our next edition of Executive Tools. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. 